0: Hey there, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are today. Listen, we are in the midst of what we're calling Jesus Church. What does it mean to be the church? What is the church? What is that uh, meaning? What does that word mean? We have learned that that word uh, comes from the Greek word ekklesia, the called out ones, the called out assembly. And we learned several things uh, last week, we, we learned several things about what Jesus said about the church, what Jesus said the church would be, what he was going to do. Um, and in all that, we landed kind of in this place in Matthew chapter 16. In verse 18, where Jesus said this to his disciples, I will build my church. The key there, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we covered a lot in the midst of our uh, first foray into the foundation. What is the foundation of the church? Well, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the foundation. That's what Jesus builds upon. Then he uses us as living stones, as small stones, to then he uses us to build his body. We kind of defunct the the myth that the church would be built upon Peter. It's not upon a a human being. It's not upon uh, one person. But the foundation is the revelation of Jesus as the Son of the living God. And Jesus indeed said, I will build my church. And that is the foundation. The foundation is he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the foundation of the church. And then we are being built upon that and we are the body. We are the church. But Jesus said this about building his church, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Now, when we think about that, we think about, man, the gates of hell, that seems very ominous and seems very powerful and dark, and it is. The the gates of hell representing evil, representing the most evil things we can even think about or imagine, the, 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 the most evil that we can imagine being unleashed at the gates, and that that uh, offensive movement. You know, the enemy is, he, he's not trying to pull back on us. He's trying to ever push into us. The fiery darts are, are coming at us. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? Against one another, but principalities and powers of darkness and, you know, powers in the air, you know, the spiritual realm. There's all these things happening. And Jesus said, listen, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Evil will not prevail against it not just what I'm building my church on, but how I'm building my church. Jesus didn't say that humans would build his church. He didn't say that he would build it upon a man. <laughs> Thank the Lord. He said, if it's built, listen, if it's built by me, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But listen, if it's built by us or on us, that means it's fragile, it's weak, and it's powerless. There is no power. And so last week when we talked about the foundation now we're talking about, okay, upon that foundation, what is there upon that foundation? Jesus is building us up as his body, but what's included in that? Because Jesus did declare that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church, which means this, that's a powerful church. That's a, that's a church that's filled with power. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the power. We talked about the foundation. Let's talk about the power. Power. Listen, not a powerful service or a powerful gathering or a powerful teaching, but a powerful church. See, the ecclesia, the called out from the world, people sold out to Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, declaring Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, declaring it everywhere. Not on Sunday morning in church, everywhere. Not in a class on a Wednesday night, everywhere in our homes in our schools in the workplace in the streets in the stores in the restaurants declaring jesus christ the son of the living god everywhere but in order to kind of get a a handle on this the power we've got to look at the power of jesus's ministry because jesus said i will build my church And if he will build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, what did power look like in Jesus' ministry? Now we know about the healings. We know about the the deliverances. And we know about all the different things that he did. Turning water into wine. The miracles that he did. You know, resurrecting from the dead. All these things that Jesus did. These powerful things. But where did that come from? Because where it came from and what Jesus modeled is the same place that we go to. And it's where we begin. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says this, When Jesus had also been baptized in water, right? Jesus comes, He sees John the Baptist. He knows it's at the will of the Father to be baptized in water by John the Baptist, the baptism of John, representing the old things uh, pass away, and behold, all things become new, new life, right? The washing of water, right? And so he comes to John the Baptist. He says, listen, you baptize me. John the Baptist, of course, says, no, you need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, this is the will of the Father. You need to baptize me. And it says when Jesus also had been baptized in water and was praying, he didn't just get baptized in water. And then all of a sudden, okay, it's over. He's praying. Jesus is baptized right in water. And he was praying, and it says the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. Man, I love the fact that right now I'm preaching and I'm filming this and I'm talking about Jesus praying and the heavens were open and we've got rumbling in the background. It's like the the skies are rumbling. You know, We've got a little bit of thunder going on. It's almost like, okay, Lord, is this a confirmation of what you're saying? The heavens were open. Jesus was praying. The heavens were open. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. What was Jesus doing after he was baptized in water? He was praying. What happened while he was praying? The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And then we know the voice of the Father comes in and says, This is my Son. Boom. Identity. In whom I'm well pleased. Boom. Validation. Affirmation. Now Jesus is ready to be released to his ministry. And we know that the first thing He does is not a miracle, but He's sent immediately into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. Every temptation that you and I have ever faced, Jesus faced it in that moment. But Luke 4.1 said this, Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, He is full of the Holy Spirit walking into the wilderness. Luke 4.14 says, He returned to Galilee out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. So many times when when we're filled up with the Holy Spirit, man, we're just pumped. And the first thing that comes against us, we walk out of that trial, not in the power of the Holy Spirit, but empty. And so many times what it is, is that we're like, okay, well, I got saved. I prayed a prayer. Man, I have the Holy Spirit. Right. But we need a continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit every day, not a continuous salvation experience. But a continuous infilling. Paul told the church, he said, be filled. And the connotation of that, the root of that is be continually filled. If it was only one moment, why in the world would the Apostle Paul tell one of the most important church plants in the history of the world, be continually filled? If you only needed one time, I had one experience, I prayed one prayer, I'm good. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's not one occurrence where that says that in the Bible, you guys. I don't care what denomination you've been a part of. I don't care what church you've been a part of. We're about the Bible, the Word of God. And the Word of God doesn't say, boom, you pray this, you're fine, you're good, your life is never different again. You never need the Holy Spirit again. Hey, you're just sealed up for the day of redemption, you know, eternal life. And now you have no need of anything else in your daily life. That's a lie from hell. It's a lie. The devil doesn't want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. He doesn't want you to be filled tomorrow. He wants you to think, hey, man, I prayed that prayer 20 years ago. Man, I'm good. Listen, we pray a prayer. We believe and we confess. Yes. Yes. We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is right. That's what the Word of God says. That's what Romans tells us. Yes, we have redemption. Yes, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Our salvation, our eternal life is sealed by the Holy Spirit. But listen, you got to get up tomorrow morning. you got to live in a world. We're waiting for the hope. We're waiting for that day of full redemption. Well, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more death. None of that stuff but guess what? We're not there yet. We have the hope of glory, but we got to live in this world right now. And we can't live in the world right now based upon a prayer that we prayed 20 years ago and an experience we had and a moment we have. Listen, we got to have something fresh and new today. You can't live off a scripture that you read 20 years ago and you haven't read the scripture since then. You can't live in a relationship, a living relationship with Jesus off some prayer that you prayed 20 years ago and you don't have a daily walk with Jesus. Something's going to give. And guess what it's going to be? It's going to be you. It's going to be you. It's going to be cracks in the foundation. It's going to be a breaking down. Listen, even in the life of Jesus, listen, he was full of the Holy Spirit, but because he was able to answer with the Word, he was able to give account. He was able to give account. Why? Because of his relationship with the Father. It was active. It was living. It wasn't just a one-time moment. It wasn't just as his baptism. What was he doing after he got baptized? He was praying. Who's he praying to? He's praying to the Father. What happens when he prays to the Father? The Holy Spirit is sent. The Holy Spirit fills him. The Father speaks. Now he walks into the, to the wilderness and... In full of the Holy Spirit. How does he walk out in the power of the Spirit being tempted by everything? It wasn't because he just prayed one prayer. It was because he was given account. The Word was living and active in him. He was using the Word. He was in relationship with the Father. He was one with the Father. It was constant. It was was every single day, every single moment, every single moment of those 40 days, the enemy may have been there, but the Father was in Jesus. Jesus was in the Father and he was in him. It wasn't about the enemy was there. It was about the fact that jesus was in the father he was one with the father relationship yeah relationship come on man it's like jesus was full of the holy spirit going in and in the power of the spirit he came out listen that's power we need the same listen jesus is building his church it has to be powerful if jesus is building his church and he is It cannot be anything but powerful. See, Jesus' church is filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, and I know some of you are going, man, we always go to Acts 2. Acts 2 is not the only verses in the Bible where there's power of the Holy Spirit. The entire New Testament is full. The entire New Testament is full. And by the way, after every apostle died, there's historical evidence that the power of the Holy Ghost is still moving all the way till today. What about the Dark Ages, Scott? There were people filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesying and raising the dead in the Dark Ages. What about Luther? What about Calvin? What about this? What about that? People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. People were being healed. People were being delivered. People were being saved. People were prophesying. People were preaching on the streets. If we could only ask John Wesley... Man, Wesley, you're a hero of the faith. Man, what was the moment? It had to be that moment you just prayed that prayer. No, John Wesley was on a boat. And when you were on a boat in John Wesley's day, you were not on a carnival cruise. Most people didn't even make the journey, especially if they were going to places like Asia or they were going to places like Europe or they were traveling to the United States in a boat. Many people didn't even make the journey. They didn't survive. Not just the, the, the water and not just the, but they didn't have all the things that we have now. Like you knew when you got on some of those boats that, that you just needed to survive to get to where you needed to get to. And Wesley said he was on a boat and the boat was about to capsize and everybody was freaking out and there was fear everywhere. But there was a small group of people. And they were at total peace and they were praying in the spirit. This is what John Wesley said praying in the Spirit, not somebody who's telling a story about John Wesley. Because if you know anything about John Wesley, you know that maybe in the history of preachers, there's nobody else who kept more notes and more of a diary than John Wesley. It's all accounted for in Wesley's own writing. That he saw this group of people praying in the Spirit at such peace that he questioned his own salvation. This is John Wesley. He comes to the colony of Georgia. He tries to preach for two or three years to the Puritans, and he is a failure, an abject failure. John Wesley gets on a boat, comes back in London. He hears a man preaching out of Romans on the street. The man was a part of the same group that the people on the boat, the Moravians, filled with the Holy Spirit. And Wesley said it was in that moment that he truly got converted. And it wasn't until then that he began the circuit riding and preaching for the next 50, 40, or 50 years, some 55,000 sermons off of horseback in the middle of fields. When we talk about power, we're not just talking about Acts chapter 2. We're not just talking about one verse of the Bible. We're talking about the history of Christendom. We're talking about the history of Christianity is always filled with power in every single generation. Always. In Acts chapter 2, we see the day of Pentecost has come. These people are here. Thousands of people are there for the feast. And we know that Jesus has already told them, listen, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. Jesus has told them about the Holy Spirit. He's told them about what's going to happen. They don't know exactly what the Holy Spirit is or what he looks like or any of those things. They just know that Jesus commanded them. They prayed. Now they're at feast time. And when the day of Pentecost fully come, they're in one accord, one place. Suddenly there comes a sound from heaven, which we've heard. Hear today a sound from heaven as of a mighty Russian wind filled the whole house where they were sitting there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and one sat upon each one of them not just on them corporately together but each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak with other tongues the Spirit gave them utterance and then we know that Peter in verse 14 of Acts chapter 2 he begins to stand up this same guy who denied Jesus is now standing up in the midst of thousands of people Preaching a hardcore word from the Lord. Not, hey guys, you can all be better people. Hey guys, you can all be a success. Here's five steps to a better life. No, it was the opposite. He said, listen, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Like he's hearkening all the way back. They're at the feast. These are all Jews. They know about the prophet Joel. They know about what he prophesied. None of them were probably looking at that moment for some Some, hear me, some of the prophecy of Joel to come to pass right in that moment. And you know what Peter says? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that. Like, this is the beginning of that. What Joel prophesied, we are stepping into right now. This is happening. This is what you're hearing all these languages. You're hearing all these languages. It's your own language and you understand it. It's the opposite of the Tower of Babel where they all spoke one language and then all of a sudden they were all confused and and all those different things. But here they're speaking all these different languages and people understand every single thing because it's of God. Babel wasn't of God, it was of man. They were building something to heaven for themselves, but in Acts chapter 2, God was sending something down to man that was coming from Him. That's the difference when you talk about power. Power is not building something up for yourself. Power is waiting on the Lord humbly to pour something or someone out upon you, Him. They were building something up to make a name for themselves. These people were waiting for God to send something down to make His name known to all the earth. That's why we declare Him all over the world because it's not about us. I'm not building the healing place. We're not building the healing place. Jesus is building His church and His church cannot. It cannot. If He's building it, it is not anemic. If He's building it, it has power. That's a fact. If he's building it. Well, you know, Scott, I go to some services, man, there's just there's just no power. My question would be, what are you adding to it? Are you sitting back as a cynic and a critic? Or are you going all in for Jesus? Because guess what? You may be the spark that ignites the flame. But so many people have treated church as some kind of performance that we sit around like we're theater critics. And then we may not write it in a newspaper criticizing, but we sure do it on Facebook sometimes. And all we are is a bunch of critics. Basically, we're saying, hey, this is what I saw. This is what I thought rather than, man, this is what the Lord did in my heart. That's why we are always asking people before they leave a gathering or anything, man, what did the Lord do in you? What did the Lord do? What was the Lord saying to you? Not to all of us, to you. What was the Lord saying to you? What was the Lord doing? Listen, that's power. And Peter says, listen, this is that. And then he talks about that your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Listen, Jesus told his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. So why tongues and prophecy? The Apostle Paul covered in 1 Corinthians 14. The person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Listen, Jesus fills his church with power from the Holy Spirit to equip, strengthen, grow, mature ourselves and one another to be more like Jesus. Praying in the Spirit builds you up, Prophesying and speaking what God says to others builds them up. Listen, what was the impact of Peter speaking? You talk about power. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, it says they were cut to the heart. What does that mean? They were cut to the heart. They were convicted by the Holy Spirit, not by Peter. Man can't bring conviction in the Spirit. We can bring guilt, but not conviction, not the same thing. Conviction by the Spirit, not by Peter. And these people had a supernatural revelation of Jesus that Peter himself received. And what was their response to this conviction? They said, What shall we do? What's our next move? What's our next step? We know Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We've seen it, we know it. That's the foundation. Now, what do we do? And listen, Peter was not vague. In verse 38, he said, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. As many as the Lord our God will call. So many times we bring the word down, and in context, sometimes we mistake that for this is not a promise forever. This is just right here. This says, As many as the Lord will call, all two are far off. There are thousands of people here. Why does it need to be people? Because it wasn't just a moment. This is ongoing forever. This promise, and we know that you keep reading the book of Acts, we understand this, the Holy Spirit and the revelation of Jesus was not just for the Jews either, but it was also to the Gentiles, which was heresy to the Jews, that the pagan Gentiles could receive Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus broke down the middle wall of separation. Jesus broke all the barriers that the world tries to build, that the enemy tries to build. And one of the biggest barriers today is Power is not needed. You just pray. It's fine. You prayed that one prayer. Listen, if the enemy can't kill you, he sure wants to make you apathetic. He sure doesn't want you to do anything for Jesus. He doesn't mind you doing something in your own power, but he sure doesn't want you doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit because in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's where things change, not just in this moment, but for all eternity. That's what the enemy's after. He's not just after the temporary Right now, he's after eternity. He wants to keep people from eternal life. We're looking right here. Listen, you can help somebody with a cup of cold water right now. And it can take care of their temporary thirst. But the cup of cold water in Jesus' name has eternal value. Once you put Jesus into the scenario, it has eternal value. That's power. Peter then, listen, so many people are like, oh, yeah, he was, man, he preached, man, um, awesome message, and then he was done. Wrong. Verse 40, and with many other words. He's not done. Man, he gives them the gospel and says, here's how it is. This is what you got to do, and here's what the Lord is going to do. But then he says, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them. Saying, be saved from this perverse generation. He exhorts them. He builds them up. He's encouraging them. What does that mean that he's doing? Guess what he's doing? He's prophesying to them. He preaches to them and then he prophesies to them. He shares the good news with them and then he exhorts them. He prophesies to them. Verse 40, he's not preaching. He's prophesying. Prophesying. And then over 3,000 gladly received the word from the Lord. Jesus exploded by the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen to me. Peter wasn't trying to hide the blood, the cross, the resurrection, or the Holy Spirit from them. And he wasn't trying to trick them. Here's what's happened in churches the last 25 years. We feel like if we can get all cute and clever, use the right terminology, we can trick people into coming to church. They can think they're just going anywhere else. Hey, I'm just going to a school function. Hey, it's just like going to a ball game. Hey, it's just like going to this and going to this. And so many churches have tried to trick people into repeating a prayer that is non-convicting, that is non-biblical, that is non-kingdom. Just repeat this after me, no personal responsibility, no personal responsibility, no personal walk with the Lord. Just repeat after me, and then just go about your life. Listen, we're not here to trick anybody. We are all about Jesus, and if we're all about Jesus, we're about the blood, redemption, atonement, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. Dead, buried, resurrected, ascended, sent the Holy Spirit, not just to live amongst his people, but to fill his people with power that comes from on high, that has nothing to do with us and has everything to do with him, that doesn't point to us, but points straight back to him. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. The early church modeled the power of the Holy Spirit, they weren't trying to trick anybody. (laughs) Acts 2 goes on and says, There were added that day about 3,000. Verse 47, and added to the church daily those who were being saved. Acts 5, believers were added to the Lord increasing numbers, both men and women. Acts 5, 28, we strictly charge you not to teach in his name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Listen, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We open our mouths. It's not going to be idle chatter. We're going to be preaching Jesus. We're going to be prophesying about Jesus. Acts 6 says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the Jewish priests became obedient to the faith. That's power, folks. We talk a lot about the Pharisees and the Sadducees a lot of times, and we're just demeaning them and ripping into them and all that, although we act like them at times. But here it says, These Jewish priests, they're giving their lives to Jesus. If you get that in your brain of what it took to break down in their life, to break down the walls of the law and religion, for them to have a revelation of Jesus, that's power. Acts 17, 6, these men are those who have turned the world upside down. They've come here too. Listen, you don't turn the world upside down. You don't flip it on its end by being apathetic and a lack of power. There has to be a power beyond you functioning. In Acts 19, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, and at that time about 15 million people, heard the word of the Lord. All of them heard the word of the Lord. Doesn't mean they got saved. Doesn't mean they gave their life to Jesus. Doesn't mean they got filled with the Holy Spirit. But they did all hear. And listen, they didn't all hear because somebody did some kind of simulcast and had all this equipment. There was no equipment. There were disciples and apostles going everywhere, preaching not just the good news, but prophesying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the early church was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit manifesting through them. And there was no doubt that it was the Holy Spirit. And let me just land in these two places right here. The first one was this, there's always more. Listen, people being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving power to minister continued over and over and over and over and over again. Acts 5, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Acts 6, Stephen, who, by the way, wasn't an apostle. He was a deacon who was chosen to serve tables, widows, orphans, And what does it say about Stephen? Man, Stephen was such a good dude, man. He just passed out food and he did this. It says, Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. I love it at THP because even our janitor prophesies. Even our janitor intercedes on Saturday night and gets visions and dreams from the Lord for the next day. Because we can all prophesy. We can all dream dreams. We can all see visions, not because we're awesome, but because the Lord is awesome, because we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit, a comforter, a counselor, one who will show us things, one who will lead us in the way of truth, one who will shed light in the midst of dark places. That's power. In Acts 8, Philip comes, and what happens? He teaches. He teaches a eunuch, not only about salvation, But he teaches him about the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus taught his disciples to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter taught the crowd in Jerusalem not just to be saved, but how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what is Jesus teaching us, right? Because he's building his church, right? What is he teaching us through the power? He wants every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. He wants us to understand that only the Holy Spirit's power enables us to build ourselves up, to build others up, to help them grow and mature, and for all of us to be able to do the work of Jesus on the earth. And here's Jesus' instructions to the church. Jesus knew his church could not carry out his ministry on earth without the power of the Holy Spirit. He was intentional. Yes, I use that word. He was intentional. To teach his disciples about the Holy Spirit and power. In Acts chapter 4, verse 1, and I could break this down, but I want to read all this. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead and laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So what's happening in this context? Peter and John have seen the lame man at the gate. He's expecting to receive money from him. But Peter says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I give it in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. He reaches his hand out. They touch hands. He lifts him up. Bones are popping. The guy starts getting healed. The religious people are mad. The believers are going crazy. People are accepting Christ. People are denying Christ. It's all going on at one time. Now they're arrested. They're arrested for being a part of a healing. This would have made it better for everybody that this guy's not just laying by the gate beautiful. To the religious, you would think, man, the gate beautiful, they don't need some beggar, some lame beggar just laying at this gate called beautiful. You would think they'd be like, man, thank you, Jesus. No, it was the opposite. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together, At Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they said, By what power, by what name have you done this? Then Peter, listen, filled with the Holy Spirit, not from days before with one experience, filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. (laughs) If Jesus had not taught them, they would not have gone out preaching the gospel With power. They would have gone out preaching the gospel in their own power. And you know what that means? The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit of God gives life. The letter kills, the Spirit gives life. You know what happens when we try to do it on our own? We end up doing more damage than good. Well, I had good intentions. Good intentions will not. Keep people on the narrow path. Only the power. So what did they do with what Jesus told them? They did what he said. And as we completely land it, I said we were coming down for a landing, okay? As we completely land it, I want us to turn to Acts 19. Because this event takes place about 24 years after Acts 2. So we're all like, oh, Acts 2, Acts 2, Acts 2. Look at Acts 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not into John, but into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, they're already baptized, presentation of the gospel, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They spoke with tongues and. It doesn't say they spoke with tongues prophesying. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Power of the Holy Spirit's been poured out. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years. So we had three months and then two years. Again, this is like 20-something years. Past Acts 2. So they're there three months. A power of the Holy Spirit's poured out. They're there three months. Then two years. So that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Again, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. That doesn't happen in your own power. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves. Took it upon themselves. There was no power. There was no revelation of Jesus. There was no foundation. Therefore, there was no power. You can't have power if you don't have the foundation. you got to have the foundation that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Then the power is offered. They didn't have either. They thought they had power. To call the name of the Lord Jesus. Took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Somebody else's faith. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? I don't even know who you are. I don't have to know who you are because you are not the Lord's. Now, if you are the Lord's, I got to know who you are because the gates of hell are not prevailing against you. I don't have you. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds, and now look what happens when the power of the Holy Ghost begins to flow. Listen, this isn't intellectualism reading the law
1: it's interesting that whenever you start talking about the power of god sometimes things take place such as completely losing power here in the building like what took place while recording this gathering so i'm I'm here to kind of wrap things up and i want to pick up real quickly where pastor scott left off in verse 19 a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly when they calculated the value of the scrolls they totaled 50,000 drachmas. Now here's the interesting thing about this whole situation is that they experienced God, they saw God move, they saw the power of God. They stood in the presence of what it looks like for God to shake people's lives and there was a revelation inside of them that hey We want this, we want to experience this power. We want to experience what God has for us too. And they understood instinctively, they were like, man, there's these things that are blocking me from experiencing this power. I'm getting rid of this. I understand this is less than what God really has. This is less than the power of God. I don't want it in my life. I need some clarity. And so they brought their stuff to be burned. And this, was, this wasn't this was just like some, you know, okay, here's a trinket. This was stuff of value. Now, what's interesting, again, is that there wasn't a prodding. There was, The scripture doesn't record them standing up saying, hey, come bring all your stuff for a public burning. That wasn't what took place. What we see in the scriptures, people said, I don't want this in my life anymore because it's hindering me from experiencing the truth of God. I'm just going to get rid of it. Again, we can prod people. We can say, hey, I want, you know, now that you've experienced God or now that you've seen this, you need to make a change. You need to do this. You need to do that. And that's, you know, understandable. These are good intentions of, of instructing people of how to live righteously. But your instructions on righteousness mean nothing. Unless they experience the power of righteousness. Unless they see the effect of it in their lives being poured out. Like Pastor Scott said, good intentions don't change people's lives. The power of God does. And what happens is powerful. Verse 20, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Our question, our our challenge for you guys today is, have you experienced the power of God? And if you have, how has it changed you? How has it affected your life? We want to hear from you guys. Leave comments down below. Let us know. Write it out. This is how the power of God changed my life. And these are the steps I took personally so that I can walk in that power on a regular basis. We want you to leave that in the comments because... People read these comments, they see these things later, and your comment could be the gateway, it could be the key, the shifting. They see what's taking place, just like these people in the situation saw the power of God moving somebody else's life. And they go, maybe it's time for me to get rid of some of the things in my life that are keeping me from experiencing the fullness of God. And if you're someone who you've watched all the way through this end and this has challenged you and you've realized, man, you've had a one-time experience with God, but you've not been continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been walking that out and you're like, Dallas, I need prayer today. I need a filling of the Holy Spirit today. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray with you guys here in just a second. But leave a comment. Our prayer team is, is in the comment section right now. They're going to pray with you also. Why? Because we are here for a purpose, and that's to help you take your next step with God. We want you to experience the power of God so that you can have the fullness of God in your life, so that you can walk steadily on the foundation that is Christ. So again, leave these things in comment. If there's anything else, there's anything else in your life that you need prayer for, maybe you've been sick, maybe there's a loved one who's sick, maybe there's something else going on in your life that that you're walking in, in fear and turmoil, and you just need freedom or hope, leave a comment, let us know. Email us, mediahub at thbcreeport.com. Let us know how we can pray with you, encourage you, how we can help you take your next step. You're not alone in this. Understand this. This church community, Jesus' church, does not mean you walk alone, but you walk with community. So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your presence, your grace. I thank you for the word that Pastor Scott brought. Lord, I thank you that we can literally sense the power (laughs) shaking here as we dived deep into your word to discover what it means for the power of god to be manifest and displayed in front of everybody what it means to be continually filled i pray for everyone who's listening and everyone who's watching this Lord, that you begin to stir inside of them father god i pray you begin to make a shift in their lives i pray you bring back to remembrance moments where they experience you in a real way and as they remember these things they go man lord help me to get not back to that moment but to experience something fresh and new. Help me to remove those things that have been a hindrance, those things that have been a block in my life. Help me to live this out. Help me to be who you created me to be. Help me to know exactly what you're saying and help me to do what you've called me to do, Lord. Break me, change me. Lord, help me to become who you have called me to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Again, guys, if we can pray with you about anything specific, leave a comment down below. Let us know. Email us, MediaHub. And also, hey, we also want this. Give us some testimonies. How are these gatherings, these, these messages, how they challenged you and how they encouraged you? Let us know. Email us. And Don't forget, check out our website, thb so you can download this week's prayer guide that we have available for you guys. Until next time, guys, have a great week.